Game days are back and we are back on campus and partnering with Airliner to host a series of live podcasts Fridays from four to six every Iowa football home game week. Our first show is this coming Friday, September 3rd, to kick off the game day weekends and come do it with us. Come get your favorite drinks like the infamous hammer because everybody loves that damn hammer. Come get it. Come get some food and enjoy some time listening to some current, your favorite current and former Hawkeye speak. And of course, we'll be talking lots of Hawkeye football too. And each week we will want you to submit to us all of your Hawkeye sports related questions. And at each airliner live pod event, we will pick a few selected questions. And if you're in attendance, keyword, if you are in attendance at airliner, you will win a giveaway item. We will be reminding you about this all week. So there's no way you can forget. Make sure to mark this in your calendar, put it on your refrigerator, do whatever. Do not forget airliner from four to six is going to be an absolute movie. Don't be a square. You're going to have to be there. Hey, now, welcome to the City Off Campus podcast with your two favorite hosts, Sammy Sommerfeld and Jack McFarland. Today, we're kicking off season two of the podcast with a recurring guest who we had basically a year ago around this time. Iowa alum, former Iowa student and um, former Iowa journalist, I guess you could say. Jordan Leparena, how's everything going with you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, just getting through the summer here and, you know, I guess we got week zero coming up this week. So uh, some college football on and then, you know, the big dogs kick off next week and pretty excited for that. And I've had a pretty busy summer too, so I'm not sure, you know, it'll be nice to kind of let things wind down a little bit. Got engaged, broke a rib, moved into a new house, just all the ups and downs you can imagine. And uh, I think, you know, with fall always seems to come some uh, consistency, best, best time of the year. So yeah, congrats on the house and the engagement, not the rib though. That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just want to get a quick aside. Like how'd that happen? You just break one rib, two ribs. How was yeah, that? it was luckily it was just one. Uh, we were at uh, in Saugatuck, Michigan with um, my uh, girlfriends, group of friends and their significant others. And we're just walking down the stairs. Uh, it had poured earlier in the day and uh you know there's like these stairs on the side of lake michigan that are like covered in algae and wasn't running or anything just kind of sandaled slipped out from under me and it was like i hit black ice and landed on my rib and ate. next thing you know it was you know got an x-ray uh, on the way home then uh, a couple of days later and they said it was broken so Oof. can't really do anything for it uh but uh Word of advice to anyone out there, whoever does break a rib, uh, just don't sneeze. <clears throat> That's that that was seriously the worst, other than actually breaking it. The only time that hurt that bad was did it hurt? Did it hurt to laugh or just sneezing? Uh yeah, yeah. It like okay. hurts to, to laugh and, and to cough and stuff, like you know, to breathe even, uh, which <laughs> which you can imagine that that causes a little bit of a problem, but but like that's more of like a dull pain, uh, but like sneezing, not having any idea the first time that, that was going to hurt. Uh, that was definitely a rude awakening. <laughs> so, brutal. yeah, that, that's what happens when you're 33 and <laughs> you're talking about how sneezing hurts, you know, part of your body. So that that's where I'm at. But no, the engagement was certainly great. And uh, moving into a house in the suburbs was pretty great, too. So the summer wasn't entirely lost. <laughs> So those are some big personal moves. Um, Jack Jordan, a big move was announced today by the Big Ten that they're forming an alliance with the Pac-12 and the ACC. What are the thoughts there? 
I, I think, ahead. I mean, just so the wild, like everyone thought of, you know, what 2010, when, when all the conference realignment was, was first starting to take shape that, that that was the wild west and the craziest time for college sports. And I really feel like it's only turned into, you know, more of the wild, wild west since then, you know, you've had the playoff form, you know, they've done it with BCS. Uh, you've had, and then one summer this year, you've had NIL come into play and the Alliance. Um, and it's just crazy watching all this take shape. Um, I'm not sure even exactly what to take out of today's news with the Alliance forming. Um, you know, obviously they laid out, laid some groundwork, um, but, you know, as, as I, you know, mentioned when we were chatting beforehand, um, you know, Texas and Oklahoma were inked into a conference and that didn't stop <laughs> some shuffling from moving around with them joining the SEC during the summer. So, um, you know, in the long run, uh, we'll see how much it means. Um, but I do think, you know, there it did seem like something had to be said or done um, in some regard. Uh, just based on what had happened, uh, you know, over over the summer, you know, a few weeks ago at Texas and OU uh, breaking for the SEC. Um, but yeah, kind of just crazy. I mean, it, it's just crazy. I, I don't really know what to, t to make of all of it. Um, and, and we'll just kind of see how it takes shape from there. But, um, you know, Jack, as you mentioned, it's, it's just kind of fun to, to see it all shake out. And be, you know, kind of watching, it watching it go. Because there's nobody has any idea of like what's going on. So anything anybody says about this can technically be fair game. Like nobody has any idea what this is. And there's nothing like you said earlier. There's nothing pen to paper, written, signed. There's no contract. This is just a handshake agreement that is basically backed on trust and trust amongst colleges. Doesn't really go a long way. Like you just said with Oklahoma and Texas, just up and leaving the big 12. So, you know, it, it's a matter of time until maybe one of these 41 colleges that have came together in this alliance until they find a better opportunity. Who's to say they don't go and take that, you know? So it's like, there's really nothing concrete here. I was reading through the press release that the, uh, the big 10 released and just like some of the details of like the scheduling and like the, the whole rationale behind it, it quite frankly makes no sense. Like all it is, is this, they're adding another like conference game or two for like basketball they don't even know about like football um but the one thing that really caught my eye was this this comment by the university of wisconsin's chancellor and big 10 conference council of presidents chancellors dr rebecca blank she said uh blah 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 blah, blah. today's announcement reinforces the values of integrity fairness and competitiveness among all members of this alliance i'm just gonna stop it right there like what like, I don't know how any of this is like competitive or fair. Like there's any integrity. I, I don't know if anybody knows what this is, but it just, it just sounds like we're trying to get every school on the other side of the sec because they've been viewed as the best conference for sports. And it's like, well, this hurts the big 10 because they've arguably been like the second best conference you'd say for sports They're They generate a lot of revenue. They have a ton of success they're number two probably in like average strength of schedule in comparison to the sec they're just adding other like bottom feeders and other schools to this like alliance it just it doesn't make sense to me there is nothing you can pull from this and say ah you know i like that other than the naming of like what this alliance could be 
I, I don't know how you can combine all three of these conferences and come up with a name that people could get behind other than the Alliance. But, you know, I, we'll see. It's definitely going to be fun to, you know, follow because like you said 2010 when that conference realignment happened that was bananas and when you put this into comparison this is a roller coaster and we we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring well and one thing i'll add that that i thought was interesting uh sec network producer i'm friends with today uh tweeted out uh, about an hour ago that from now through the 2026 season there are 68 games on the schedule between SEC teams and teams from the Alliance, from the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC. So, I mean, you'd imagine something something's gonna have to happen to those, or or maybe you know maybe they do actually play them all out. I know I think that's their intention is to kind of keep whatever games are already lined up in schedule, you know, on schedule or whatever. But um, you know, the the same the same way that you know what was it first reported that. Is it Texas and OU are going to join the SEC? Was it 20? It was like 25? 20, yep, yeah, 2025. I just have a hard time seeing it take that long at this point. Like Texas just, and OU to leave? Y- yeah, like, like, yeah, like I have a hard time seeing college football moving forward in its current setup mm-hmm. with all of that lined up for, you know, what, four years from now. I don't know. It just, it, it just kind of, I don't know, not not like you're playing for 10, but you're almost playing in a universe that won't exist in, in a few years. So it's just kind of weird to see, you know, how that'll all kind of take shape. Yeah, for sure. And with recruiting and everything coming into a fold, like OU just got the number three recruit top wide out. And um, I just wonder, you know, when they're getting guys like that still if they're really going to play in the big, you know, in the big 12, or if they're going with the intention, like we're going to be playing SEC football by junior year, senior year, you know? Well, I think one thing that's interesting to also think about with like Oklahoma, Texas, other SEC schools, and then this alliance is with this NIL era, it's not as much about like where you go maybe. And if like a lot of players who knows what this next generation of college athletes, like college football players specifically will think, but they've got to know that 1% of them will make it to the NFL. So that means 99% of them have to figure out how to do something and build their own brand for their own livelihood. I am, I'm going to assume that this is going to be more of like a college versus college recruiting game. And it's going to be NIL driven where yeah. certain schools have better uh, legislation within their their college that gives the athletes more of an ability to make more money and they are able to get the money let's say quicker I don't know any specifics but my point being I, I think this is like going to get into a really like a really tricky area especially with even college basketball because college basketball I'd say quality is I'd say it's fallen off the last 20 years or so it's just people one and done go and there's not the same people that want to stick around I mean other than like Iowa and Wisconsin but these kids are going to have a totally different uh like reason to want to go to a certain school than let's say that they had 20 years ago so I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that unfolds and how the NIL space kind of gets organized because I think I'll speak for all of us it is a unorganized wild west of who knows like what's allowed, what isn't like people are just doing things as they do it. Who knows? So I think that's going to be interesting to see, like with all of these conferences kind of figuring it out, how the NIL falls into play with that. Because for me, I wouldn't want to go to a school that won't give me any like 
brand marketability. Like I'd rather go to the school where I know I can definitely get my name and grow, you know, out there. Oh, or you might see a boost too. And, and, you know, kids who want to get on field sooner because their name will get out there soon, mm-hmm. you know? Um, whereas, you know, before you might have more players willing to go to Bama and, and sit a year or two before they get on the field because they know that it's a factory and they can just, you know, go through a few years. You're practicing against the best every day. You get on the field, you know, you see their starting quarterback has a million dollars in, in uh, NIL revenue already. And he's, I think taking 22 career snaps uh, heading into the season. Um, But, you know, you might have, you know, some of these other schools that are offering guys where you can go play right away, benefiting from this too, because um, that means their name will get out there and, and they'll have a chance. And, and then you throw the transfer portal in, say they go there and it just doesn't pan out. But they've been on the field. They have experience. That's also marketable to schools they can transfer to. So it's, I mean, it, you're really just looking at a completely different next uh, year, five years, decade and so forth. Um, you know, probably be one of the, you know, I, I would be shocked that this isn't the biggest decade uh, of changes in, in the history of college athletics, you know, starting with, with the, you know, about a year ago when the NIL stuff started looking like it might actually push through and moving forward um, with conference realignment and all that stuff. For sure. And speaking of NIL, Quite a few Iowa athletes have taken full advantage of it so far. There have been guys like Tyler Goodson, Keith Duncan, who's a former Iowa athlete who's been in commercials around the Iowa City area. Um, you know, from the things you've seen Iowa athletes do so far, what have your thoughts been about it and how do you think it impacts the Iowa City community and the Hawkeye community? Um, well, I, first of all, I just have to say I, I love the uh, – Keith Duncan, Dane Belton, Tyler Goodson. <laughs> the Carlos O'Kellys. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was classic. It was, it was pretty great. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I'd say first and foremost, I'm happy that, you know, these kids can start, you know, benefiting off of their athletic career. I think that that's great for all of them. Um, and, and it's nice to see. And, you know, that commercial specifically, Keith Duncan, um, particularly after – the uh you know the blown kiss at nebraska i mean if this nil thing had passed think about the amount of money he would have made over the next few weeks selling shirts with that think about you know, an outline of that image or the exact image whatever yeah i mean it's it's uh you know so i'm glad he, he got into that you know commercial i've actually seen him with a few sponsored uh you know, uh, post lately even, uh, but I mean, and then you look at his, his personality too, in general, like, you know, I know he's got a funny TikTok. He's got, you know, he's, he's just kind of a character, um, and was also the best kicker in the country. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, you look at a guy like that who, uh, absolutely would have benefited from it. Um, and you know, you really, I think just want, like you mentioned, you know, 1%, of, of these guys end up being NFL players. And, and then even that, even then, how many stick around for that long once they do get there, or if they have, right. you know, go through a couple injuries, like, you know, I think, I think it'll be, you know, a good thing, hopefully. Um, 
it is just kind of the wild west as far as how they have it organized, you know, it organized or, or not organized, you know, um, and I'm not talking Iowa specifically, I'm talking about the whole thing, um, is the wild west. It seems, you know, like, like there'll be, um, you know, it, it kind of seems just sort of like make up the rules as you go, um, which, <laughs> yeah. which sort of, you know, hopefully does benefit the players ultimately. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think that was my favorite, um, the favorite thing I saw with that. And then also seeing, um, you know, athletes like Spencer Lee, Caitlin Clark, um, being able to benefit off of, you know, their name, image, and likeness too. Um, you know, they're, they're athletes who, um, you know, certainly would, you know, would and should be able to make, to make some money, uh, you know, while they're in college and, and, um, you know, use their outstanding market marketability to their advantage. And, um, you know, and, and then I think what you'll also see too is, um, you know, I think that, you know, if you do have an athlete, you know, like that on your team is, is it'll kind of, I think, raise everyone's stock a little bit, um, yeah. you know, so it's, it's not just going to be Caitlin Clark. It's, you know, now you have teammates of Caitlin Clark or, or maybe Caitlin Clark wants to have, the rest of the starting five in a commercial or something, you know, like, uh, you know, you just have, you know, I'm, I'm not speaking on behalf of anyone, but these are just kind of ideas that, that can ultimately lead to um, more than just the star player benefiting um, and, and could really be a good thing, um, you know, for, for these, uh, for these players and, and uh, you know, hopefully enhance their, their college experience a bit. Yeah. There was one really cool example I saw at, uh, BYU where they got sponsored by this protein bar company crunch or something. And th they gave every walk on a scholarship. They were able to fund that. And, and, and basically all the students had to do in this deal with crunch was like, just wear like a crunch t-shirt, like have like, like there's a, maybe like a crunch stamp, like on their practice Jersey. Like that's something as simple as that, but like it, those bottom guys, like those guys will not make the NFL probably most likely. Right. And right. they're getting their, their college paid for because of this like brand new NIL. Like those guys were never, ever, ever, ever going to see money, even with the NIL and just this opportunity, just so cool. How like colleges <laughs> like BYU, man, like you wouldn't imagine like BYU would be the forefront of like cool stories. All their <laughs> walk-ons, like scholarships. Well, and, and if I, if I remember correctly, they might've been one of the first schools I saw that came out with something yeah. saying that they their student athletes had to align with the BYU honor code in their NIL deals. Mm -hmm. So they, oh. they couldn't go endorse something that went against oh. honor code. I believe it, if I remember correctly. And then well, that so would make sense cool for like what BYU is like built on. It would make sense. Yeah. Oh. And so it, it, like to your point, it's cool. You know, obviously they get some criticism for that, but then sponsor all the walk-ons and now that, um, I'm glad you brought that up too, because I think that opens up. Um, I think that's a pretty groundbreaking loophole uh, that could open up there. Oh, yeah. um, and think about, you know, uh, the amount of scholarships that these schools get. But if someone can sponsor all of the walk-ons tuitions, that is sort of like adding extra scholarships without technically adding extra scholarships. So, um, you know, there that's uh that i think will be one of the more groundbreaking ones um you know or even potentially um you know hopefully not but Rule potentially one of the cases yeah. that 
the NCAA or whoever yeah. make up a rule as they go with with how that is handled. Um, but yeah, that 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 was uh, that was definitely probably the most eye opening one so far. Yeah, no, I well, one of the other ones that was really eye opening, which this was like an NFL type of move that I really liked, even though it was from a team I don't really like, was at Pitt with Kenny Pickett when he paid for his whole, he got a sponsorship for his whole lineman with a, like oh, with a local yeah. Pittsburgh that hotel. Cool. And okay. he's like getting all them free meals throughout the season and everything and just hooking them up. That remind me a lot of like Aaron Rodgers or some of these guys that just hook up their own lineman with like big gifts or food or everything. I thought that was a good team bonding choice by feeding his big boys up front. Oh yeah. yeah that's, and you, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And you also see some of these um, guys who have, you know, pledged to donate a certain percentage of what they bring in to charities and stuff like that, which is also cool because, um, you know, that that's laying some good groundwork for if they play at the next level, that's certainly something that they'll want to be getting involved in and they'll already kind of have an idea of, you know, what causes they want to support and, and uh, might even already have have started doing so before they get out, which is, is also a nice, you know, cool way. And, you know, I certainly wouldn't expect, you know, every college athlete to do that, but it, it it's another cool uh, spin on, on, you know, some of these deals coming through. For sure. And one of the other interesting things I thought about NIL becoming official now is some of these boosters and stuff who gave money to the schools or there might've been, um, I talked to a friend of mine who works in professional sports about, how, you know, some of these boosters might, you know, give some players money in some way or another, or help them out in some way, are now able to do it legally. So those guys who own car dealerships and big markets or the guys who, you know, own big restaurant chains who are trying to, you know, get certain guys. Now it's kind of more of a legal way of, you know, getting them and they get free, not free, but they get promotion out of it now than just getting these guys to their schools. So I think that's going to be interesting too to see. Kind of come yeah, into the there's, fold. There's definitely some guys from past generations of the sport that are kind of going to be seeing that and be like, "Hey, I could have played a whole season because of that." Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> and, and it'll be kind of curious. You'll be kind of curious to hear what some of them have to say about it too. But, but yeah, that that's certainly a great point. Yeah, I mean, one of the cases right now, I mean, is like the Reggie Bush stuff of his family getting money and you know getting the house or whatever it was and now you know he's trying to get his heisman back so it's gonna be interesting to see you know just a quick thing on reggie it's like he could want the heisman back but it's not like the public doesn't recognize him as the heisman trophy winner like everybody will always remember that 2005 reggie is like he was a cheat code on the field a literal video game yeah you could want the trophy back but like you can't take the memories away from everybody. And that's like, at some point, Reggie's just got to realize like the NCAA does not care about him and they will do everything to like make him an example, even though there is no example to be made anymore. It just sucks that Reggie is that example. Yeah. Well, speaking of other things in the news and Iowa sports, I mean, one today, great news for me. I'm able to download my Iowa football tickets today. So got those locked in on the phone. So all ready to go there um, for September 4th against IU, which is going to be a blowout game, in my opinion. But I think IU is going to be light, light work. But um, 
Because <laughs> I'm saying right now, I, I think IU had a COVID year. I've been saying it since day one. I think they had a COVID year. They beat their first game, go, diving deep in Iowa football now, I guess, with our preseason predictions and preview, is IU, they beat Penn State in that big game, that first game, and everybody was like, wow, they beat Penn State. Penn State ended up going like two and four last year, like they, or, or something. They had a terrible record. They weren't Penn State of years past. So some of their big wins weren't really big wins on paper, you know, beating Purdue and some of these other schools, they ended up not really panning out to be great teams. And they didn't even play Ohio state. I don't think last year or, uh, or Ohio state. They It was a one score game. That's right. That was um, the game. That was the game. And they came back. Like it looked like Ohio state might run away with it. And then, and then Indiana hung in. And I think, I think that was like their sort of like stamp of legitimacy, you know, of, of like, okay, they, they actually, you know, hung with the team that then went and thumped Clemson in the college football playoff. Like, you know, uh, yeah, I, I hear my, what you're saying. My I think, whole, my I think whole Tom argument, Allen's a good my, coach. And built I, I think program. Tom Allen's a great coach. I think he's building a good program there, but I just, I just don't, th- I just don't think they're going to have it this year. I think Penix coming off of injury. I think he's overrated. I just don't think that they like. Also, too, if it's you look at, if you look at the ESPN top one hundred, like they're overrating all the IU players. All them. Oh, same thing with Iowa State. They're all overrated, mm. except Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy's fairly fairly ranked in the running back, but like all the defensive guys on Iowa State, I think mm. are all overranked. Sam, I'll say this as a fair weather Iowa State fan. Their middle linebacker is legit one of the best in the nation. I don't know about everyone else, but, yeah, Mike but they Rose, had like a Mike DB, Rose. They had a DB rank. Greg Eisworth is I watched some of him. He was like, yes. uh, Look, was I'll like, say this. Iowa State. Like, like they had Tyler Goodson ranked 96 on the list. And I was and like, that's, that's, that's blasphemy. That's that is. I agree. And I think with what Iowa's going to do this that's year, losing, losing Brandon Smith and Amir, it's like they're going to have to be more run dominant and Goodson never really had that opportunity because he did split carries with Sargent and Sargent's been an absolute Sargent in the preseason for Tennessee. But I think Goodson's going to get a lot more touches and looks this year and really legitimize himself as that big 10 back that people haven't really talked about. A lot of people like to talk about that Mo Ibrahim guy from Minnesota because he's a goal line. He scores like every touchdown. I would take Tyler Goodson over any guy in the big 10. I don't think a lot of people in the nation realize that, but when you say that sentence for a running back in the Big Ten, it carries some weight. Like this is a league that puts puts some emphasis on running the ball, and I think Iowa is going to run the ball fairly well this year. I mean, Linderbaum is the baddest mofo in the country. Only guy to I think pen Worfs in his high school career in wrestling. So that's I mean that's pretty cool. I think Iowa's definitely got um their defense coming back this year is going to be what carries them same kind of like what well that's iowa year. every year exactly that's and that's them. phil phil parker being phil parker like he's a mad scientist the guy knows how to use his personnel to their best i don't know if i can say the same for brian Ferentz. it's i i would say maybe the jury's out on him he does like have those times of using a mirror and fun situations when he was there like the jets and all that but it just felt like there were times where we had the personnel and we didn't really play it to the strength last year because Iowa's always been such a run heavy, like let's run first, second down. And then if we have to pass on third, we will. I feel like they've gotten away from that a little, but that's football's 
becoming modern. You have to throw the ball. But I think this this Iowa team's going to hammer the ball this year. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm excited to watch them run the ball. Uh, I agree. I think Tyler Goodson's as, as good a uh, running back as, as you, you can have in the Big Ten. Um, he's explosive. He can catch the ball well coming out of the backfield. Uh, you know, he's he's where he's supposed to be. Uh, you know, he's found his way on, his field, on the field since his freshman year, which uh, says a lot. You know, in this program, you, you can't just go out and, and play football for Iowa because of your pure talent. You you have to know the plays. You have to know where you're supposed to be, pick up blocks, stuff like that. Um, you know, and I think I think this could be, you know, a year two where you see some guys like, you know, obviously everyone's looking to Tyrone Tracy, and, and I think he'll have a great year. Um, but, you know, he could explode a little bit here because he's had to be that number three or four target, you know, and, and you have guys like him and Nico Regani who've been, uh, you know, fantastic or, or you know pretty pretty darn good their their whole Iowa career um and we've been you know this would be the third year now you're hearing both of their names on a consistent basis and they've been the three and four receivers um you know and you could even in some cases say the four and five receivers if you put you know Sam Laporta up there ahead of them you know as a tight end target so I think they're going to have a chance to break out a bit um and and I think Laporta um is going to have, you know, a strong year too. Um, you know, that that's kind of an obvious one. And, and obviously you mentioned Tyler Linderbaum and the, you know, the offensive line. Um, you know, I love that the center is, is one of the best players in the country. Um, you know, basically the quarterback of the whole line. Um, I think that that's, uh, that's, you know, it, I, I, I don't think that there's a better position to have, you know, arguably your, most talented player, almost unarguably most talented player on the roster for a second year quarterback, um, you know, coming in with a first full season now, uh, you know, having a center with that kind of experience, Spencer's got to love that, um, you know, and then, and then I think there's some guys on offense that can break out a little bit this year, um, you know, talking about receivers and, and losing two guys last year um, with Amir and Brandon gone to the NFL. Uh, Charlie Jones uh, has shown some explosiveness uh, in the return game. Um, I'd love to see what he can do, you know, whether they put him in the slot or wherever they put him. Um, He's got breakaway speed. Um, You know, I think uh, obviously we're tight end university. I think Luke Lachey uh, will be, you know, the next great Iowa tight end coming up behind, you know, Laporta. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he broke out a little bit this year just because of, Iowa not being afraid to use a two tight end set. And obviously everyone will be looking at 84 and there's 85. Um, you know, he's got awesome measurables. Um, and then, you know, there's a guy that, that not a lot of people are talking about um, who has a ton of experience on the offense is that's Ivory Kelly Martin. Um, you know, he, he deserves a lot of credit for sticking it out in an era where a lot of people would have left by now, or, you know, gone to, you know, one or two more schools looking for playing time. Um, you know, he's still there and, you know, obviously he's not RB one, but he's, uh, he's a guy with experience who knows the playbook. And, and I definitely think they'll find a way to, to, you know, make good use of him, um, you know, on the offense this year. So, um, yeah, the, offensively that, that, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, then I don't know if we want to transition well, to the defense here at all, or. Yeah, before we make that transition, what game are you looking forward to the most on the schedule this year? 
Penn State's always an exciting one. Um, you know, I think that'll be a great, great game. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Penn State looks like this year just because they weren't very good last year. They'd be the first to say that they weren't very good. You know, I don't think I'm hurting anyone's feelings over there by by saying that. Um, you know, th that certainly was not Penn State football uh, last season that, that we're used to watching. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, some of the more special teams Iowa's had, um, you know, over the last decade, you know, two decades, really, um, they've had some big wins over Penn State. If, if they beat Penn State, if Penn State winds up on that schedule and that's a win, that is oftentimes signaled a special season for Iowa. Um, whether it's earlier in the year, like like it was in 09 or later in the year, like it was in 08 when Daniel Murray, you know, upset Penn State or, you know, I, I just think it'll be an interesting game. And, and um, you know, I think that, you know, Penn State probably – uh, wishes that they, you know, could have had that Iowa game back last year. I mean, they they weren't getting blown out the entire game. I mean, you know, that that game was starting to get a little close for comfort before Davion Nixon, you know, broke it wide open. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that that'll probably be the game that that has the most excitement early in the season. Um, whether Iowa has a good non-conference, you know, slate or or you know, drops one heading into that game. I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll still be a game that, that, you know, Kinnick's going to be rocking for and it'll be pretty exciting. You know? How about you guys? What's your, uh, which one are you guys? I mean, my, mine's IU. My brother's a freshman at IU. So this is a big oh, okay. family game. Um, so a lot of shit talking. Um, a bet <laughs> is in the works right now. So that will be announced soon. I'm sure. Um, so this is kind of a game that's been getting built up over the last couple of months. So it's my first game. I mean, also being here for it with tailgates and everything else coming back. I mean, it's just going to be crazy in Iowa City. I think it's going to be Iowa City on steroids for a game day. Um, I'm excited to see all the RVs coming back into town and all the outfits and just everything that goes into an Iowa City game day. I'm so ready for it after not being here last year. So that's my number one top game. And then my, I'd say my second favorite game that I'm looking forward to is the Wisconsin game this year, because mm. I think that's going to be a battle. I'm glad you didn't take either of mine, because the Iowa State-Iowa game yeah, week that's two, that's like... If Jack's that, a if fan for whoever wins. I am. That game is good for the state. I think that game is going to be the best Cyhawk game anticipation that we've ever felt. I'm excited for that. The game that I'm really excited for is the Minnesota one on November 13th because I was had Minnesota's number the last couple of years and they humiliated them last year in Minneapolis and they six years not just the last couple but oh right six years but with Fleck being there two years ago or three two yeah. when they sunk the boat at home that was crippling for Minnesota because they had like that was their best season ever. That was crippling that they lost to Iowa. And then we waltz into Minneapolis and really shit kick them. They're returning 21 starters this year. I'd be surprised if they weren't a little upset about like what happened. I think it's going to be a better showing for Minnesota. And I think what Flex actually built in Minnesota is pretty sustainable. I think they're a good program. I think that game's going to be really exciting. And it's... I Jack? 
and Jack Froze. That's been happening a lot recently again. Uh, me, me, is that Mediacom Internet? Or- yup, it's Mediacom. Oh man! And media and Mediacom did us the pleasure. Jack tweeted at them a while ago, and they blocked <laughs> us. They blocked the city off campus off their Mediacom account. And they engaged with us. They tweeted back at us. We had a little Twitter war going with them. And then instead of fighting back, they just gave us the block. They rolled over. <laughs> hey, oh, is this is this the media com talk? Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. Don't even get me started yeah, with them. You froze up. I, don't I know. know. Oh, because then I froze up and I was like, wait, you guys froze. And I was like, God, it means I froze. But no, Wisconsin. I think that's exciting. What I was going to say is that's like the Penn State game for Iowa. If you beat Wisconsin or if you beat Penn State, it's usually good things are on the horizon. Like those are those are two two humps you got to get over if you want to be a legitimate cool. Iowa team that really makes that push, obviously. But and we, and we beat Wisconsin last year, mm-hmm. but I don't really consider that a legitimate Wisconsin game because they just weren't the team they normally are. Yeah. Um. So I think this year with it coming back, there's a lot of hype with them having returned quarterback and everything like that. I think this is a real Wisconsin battle like it was two years ago when they came to play us at Pinna. And, and selfishly, I'm excited for the Colorado for State games because that's my first game back. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that'll be the first one I'm back for. So uh, when was the last what was the last game you ever saw? The last game I was at Kinnick for was uh, Minnesota 2019. So that's a left on left on pretty sweet terms. Uh, took a yeah, took a pretty epic photo that night, too, with the uh, with the crowd. Uh, brushing the field behind us and, and stuff like that and just had had a blast i was actually there for btn tailgate um which my day ended my work day ended at like i guess you know show went up there at 11 a.m um and i was done at that point on saturday so I went back to the hotel packed up went and dropped my stuff off at my buddy's house that we were staying at and then we uh my fiance and i went um you know down and met up with everyone and tailgated and, and watched uh you know watched iowa take care of business and so yeah. so is your plan for colorado state just kind of go until halftime and then go to the bars after i will see i will play it by ear uh you know hopefully we have the option to leave by halftime then you know <laughs> in my mind that would mean things are going pretty well for for the hawks but uh but yeah we'll see um I'm not sure. Uh, I, I I usually like to stick it out till then, you know, if I can for a little bit. Or, um, but you know that that was usually more often when I had a like a, if I went to the game with a pass or something like that. So I'd go, you know, watch coaches presser, say hi to Coach Ferris, you know, when we're leaving or whatever. But, um, but yeah, the uh, this year will be kind of fun. Like I'm I'm planning on just going and sitting in the stands and having a good time there and, and haven't done that for a game for quite some time. Um, you know, so it, it'll be kind of a, a, a fun twist and, and, you know, uh, be able to tailgate and, and do all, do all that fun well, stuff. Don't, don't get too worried about getting like too loaded tailgating. Cause you can buy like a $12 bush light now at the stadium. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, Hey, I I've been, buying beer at Kinnick in the club level for a few years now oh. people people forgot you can get it <laughs> there, there's certain areas if you can if you find your way you know if you can find your way into them there are a few few areas in the stadium that we're already selling it uh but uh but it is I think that is a nice thing actually since you bring it up that they're selling 
beer at, at Kinnick this year because, you know, most of my friends at athletic departments around the country and specifically in the Big Ten who, who have already opened that up, uh, you know, most, most of them, if not all of them, have gotten commended by their law enforcement because people have tended to pace themselves better throughout the day and they end up with fewer alcohol-related incidents because no one's getting slammed before they can go mm. into the game and pass out in the bleachers at halftime yeah. or whatever. You know, no one's doing that because they can just go buy a beer in the stadium. You know, now like you mentioned, I'm not sure it's you know, I don't know what the pricing. Is <laughs> no, I don't be either. Like, I just feel like that's <laughs> for college students or not. I, I have a feeling it won't quite be like pro pro baseball beer prices. You know, but but I you know I'm sure, you know, you might have to save up a couple bucks to, to buy one if you're in the student section. But uh, yeah, uh, I think you know most uh, on a logistical ter- terms. I think you know a lot of schools who've done that have found success and and gotten good reports or better reports um, from the parking lot and surrounding areas. You know, uh, as, as the uh, as, as that kind of took effect. Yeah, and transitioning back to a little analysis on the team, from a defensive standpoint, what do you like? What do you don't like? Where are the concerns? Um, obviously, love Jack Campbell. Uh, I think he's the next great, you know, Iowa linebacker that'll go in in the the Greenway and Hodge and Jewel and Anger conversations, and and uh, you know, I'm just thinking Ferris era here, um, but. Uh, I, you know, he goes without saying, and then, you know, listing off now that they basically play that cash position where they've got two linebackers and five DBs, you have Hankins, Merriweather, Kerner, um, Riley Moss, Moss and yeah. Dane Belton. I mean, those are all, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there might be, I don't know if there is a better combination of talent and experience in a defensive secondary in, in the Big Ten. Um, they're all proven really high quality players. Um, and I think that if that is your safety net, you know, on defense, that that's your, that's your last line of defense. Those five guys, you got to be feeling pretty comfortable about that because the pass rush always brings it, even if it might take a few games or something, you know, like the the D line's always going to be there and the linebackers are always solid. And, and usually it's, you know, Oh, you know, what are the DBs look like? Well, you know, specifically this year, um, you know, they're always well coached, but this year, uh, you know, I think Matt Hankins is going to have a breakout year um, as a star big 10, you know, DB and, and the rest, you know, the rest of that crew, is, you know, Merriweather falls in the breakout category too, as far as, you know, um, coming in and being able to get, you know, that starting experience and, and consistently be out there. And, you know, if those five guys stay healthy, you know, I think you're looking at, you know, probably the strongest defensive secondary in the big 10. Um, like I said, when it comes to experience and talent level combined uh, and, you know, so I, I love, I love what I'm looking at there. And then on, on the D line, I think a breakout type of guy uh, would be a, maybe a Noah Shannon, um, you know, plugging up the interior and then obviously Zach Van Valkenburg had a huge season last year. Um, you know, I don't know if this year would even be considered a breakout because he had such a good year last year, but, um, you know, he could, you know, 
potentially be more of a household name this season too. And, and uh, Seth Benson as well, um, you know, with the year of experience under him, uh, you know, that's a big body out there and throwing his body around on defense. And, um, you know, and, and I think you look at field position always helps out the defense. Iowa has clear, I think, far and away the best punter in the big 10 um, with Tory Taylor. Uh, I think that that is a game changer. Uh, you know, I know everyone like likes to make their, their coach Ferentz punting jokes, but name me a championship caliber team that, that has a crappy punter. You can't there. You need to have a really good punter um, and who can flip the field and, and flip, you know, field position. And um, you know, again, Going back to some of the special Iowa teams, they've always had a had really strong special teams. Uh, Lamar Woods is as good of a coach as as you can get, um, you know, in in the Big Ten and uh, really anywhere. I think you'd put him; he'd be a fantastic coach. But obviously, he was great with the tight ends, and he's been you know outstanding with the special teams. And I think um, you know that that group will will definitely uh, be you know changing the game a little bit too this season. Sam, do you want me to go? Oh, you go. All right. I was just going to say Jack Campbell is legit built in the video game as well. He's like <laughs> 6'5", 230. He looks yeah. like it, it, it doesn't beast. look physically possible. And same thing with Tory Taylor. Like he's 6'4", 230, all of it. He looks like he's built in a lab kicking the ball. I don't even know. Hang time, like five plus seconds. He's a cheat code. Um, yeah, I think one thing that a lot of, you know, programs don't take a lot of um, like care for is special teams. And when you have all three phases going, it's hard to stop a team. Even if, you know, one phase isn't going, if you have a special teams that, like you said, can flip the field or force you to make a mistake on a punt, a kick, whatever, that is the difference. Like in that Iowa, Iowa state game, and that guy, it, it, as simple as Terry Roberts was just to run down as close as he could to the returner and then split off. He got that guy to run into the returner and got us the ball something as small as that is what got us that game in Ames and it's like you don't think about the special teams and I think that is probably one of Iowa's strongest areas and has been for the last I'd say it was one of the stronger areas last year too with Charlie Jones coming in and saying hey I can take any kick back I'll I'll even take risks and pick up the ball when I shouldn't and that's look he's gonna learn everyone's gotta learn when you're a punt returner when to take those risks but I'd rather my punt returner take a risk and let it pay off because you got to have that cover team on their toes. They can't like take a playoff. I love that about Charlie Jones. He really, like you said, offensively, he's going to be dynamic in the stretch field. I think he's going to be in that Amir role, but going back to defense, um, Joe Evans, that kid, I love him. Known him since I was 11, 12. He's <laughs> literally I can only describe his play as like a honey badger off the edge where Joe's entire role is make the quarterback feel uncomfortable and do your best to keep him. If he keep him in the pocket, if he gets out, like Joe can run down anybody. And, and I he's think, got some long arms too. Like yeah. that that's what you want on that, on that line. You know, if that quarterback has to throw around that at the last second when they're, when they are uncomfortable, you know, anything can happen. Yeah, I think this D-line, more so than last year, you had game wreckers and Heflin, Golston, and Nixon. 
I don't know if they have the same game records where you can say on like a first and 10, they'll get a, a stop in the backfield, make it second and 12. But I think this team is sound to the point where they will do their job every single down and just play Iowa football like Phil Parker has done every single season. They're not going to wow you, but they're going to, you know, keep this streak of, I think it was 20, like 27 games of having 20 points or less. I think I was allowed and Kirk like didn't even know that that was a thing, but that's a real thing that this defense just consistently always shows up and they, they know the number they have to score because their defense is just that good. I don't think there's any reason to believe this defense will take a step back. Like you said, that secondary is absolute disgust. Like I don't, I don't know who wants to throw at that. That's a nightmare for any young quarterback that doesn't know how to read a defense. Looking ahead, and, and, and to your point too, Terry Roberts is is uh, as good as it gets uh, on special teams coverage, um, and has been for a couple of years now. He, he's a he he's a game changer uh, as well um, with with his play uh, in that in that specific phase. Looking ahead, what is your what are your guys' biggest concerns with the team um, going into this year? I think really my main concern and, and it, it certainly improved throughout last season is, uh, you know, getting into a rhythm early on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last year, I think whether they had 14, nothing at Illinois or something like that, yeah. um, you know, just, and, and then, you know, before you knew it, the game was, you know, completely out of reach um and, and comfortable and, and you're you're enjoying you know you're you're starting to have in you know have enjoyable beers and not stress beers uh at that point of the the game but uh, you know but uh i think just getting into a more of a rhythm early so you don't find yourself in a situation like you were at purdue you know week one and, and again that was week one and and uh, even week two, they got out to that early lead against uh, Northwestern. Mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, there were some big defensive and special teams plays that led to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't necessarily the offense just cruising along. Um, so I just think that the offense gets into, you know, Spencer and the offense get into a r- rhythm early. And to Jack's point earlier, if, if you know, they're pounding the ball with, with Tyler Goodson, that's certainly – you know, establishing the run is the first key, I think, to being able to get into that early rhythm and, and keeping the defense at bay and, and making them respect the run right, right out of the gate. Um, that, that, that kind of opens up everything. And, and that's really what Iowa football seems to be predicated on. Yeah. For me, I, the only thing I like kind of worry about is, and it's always been kind of a worry for the last couple of seasons, but it's just linebacker depth. And if someone like Campbell or Benson were to go down, if the guy who could step up can fill that role effectively and seamlessly, because in Iowa's defense and in just about any defense, the linebacker is one of the most like important, if not the most important position. He's the quarterback. Jack Campbell going down is not something you would like to see. Anybody would like to see. But matter of fact is you need to have someone step in and fill that role. And not saying I don't know if we have that guy, but we haven't had that situation where a Benson or Campbell isn't able to perform or a Neiman like last year before he went to the NFL. The depth hasn't really been tested as much as you would like. And that's not to say like you want them to be, but it was kind of like the situation when Riley Moss was thrusted into that starting spot and he wasn't ready for it. And it was my freshman year. So it was like three years ago, Riley Moss was 
playing as a true freshman and he didn't look like he was ready and it was just he needed to because Ojemudia couldn't play and Hankins was out and they're like hey you need to play Riley and it was he he was baptism by fire he learned how to play I don't know if Iowa can necessarily like take that type of you know loss to their defense but I don't know if any you know program can so I think it's a nitpicky worry of mine, but it's always just depth. You know, it, you never know what you have because it is depth. So um, it's just, you swear to God, you knock on wood and you hope that everyone stays healthy. But that is the one thing I worry about because this team has been, say the last two seasons, they have lost a lot of talent to the NFL and just graduation. I don't think they can afford to have any injuries in a key position because the margin of error for a lot of these positions is a little slim. So but, I mean, I think you can say that for just about any other team. Yeah, except except maybe, you know, there's probably like five teams in the country that have five, a five-star waiting on the bench to replace another five-star. Right. But, but it, yeah, to yeah, your you, point, most exactly. teams in the country, yeah, can't, can't really afford to, to go into that. No, definitely. Sam, let me ask you, what are you most excited about with this Hawkeye team? What am I most excited about? I think before I would have said I didn't like this going into the spring practice. And after I went, I actually got really excited about this factor. I like that we have wide receivers stepping up into new roles. I like the uncomfortability of that. I like that Charlie Jones is going to get some reps there. Um, he's been looking really good. I really like Nico Regini. I think he's going to be a guy who makes big plays and people aren't expecting it, but he's played in a lot of games and he has a lot of experience. I think the athleticism, Tyrone Tracy, I mean, I think he's going to make a huge impact and fill a void. So in Sam Laporta, I think people are going to be shocked with how impactful he could potentially be this year. I think he's um, a first rounder. I, I've been getting those vibes, but um, so just overall with that receiving you know, group. I'm just really excited for that. That's kind of the number one thing. And I, and it goes also to with the D line. I really like Noah Shannon and I like some of those mm -hmm. pieces up front. And I think those guys are going to be a bigger impact than what some of the people have currently been saying about that D line um, with some of the guys who left or, you know, I think, yeah. and I think Shannon is guys. very similar to like what Iowa got last year in Heflin when he transferred yeah. in from Northern Illinois. He's just a, a plug, one tech, zero, whatever, put him over the center and just eat up that inside. I think that's what Noah can do. But I think another guy that's really exciting is John Wagner. Like he hasn't really played if at all because of Epinesa, because of Van Valkenburg, because of just situations he hasn't been able to get on the field. Guy was a four-star recruit out of Dowling. Like he was the shit coming out of high school. He had a lot of offers. I'm excited to see him get an opportunity to go after the quarterback because I think he is is built similar to Epinesa where he's very he's got very long arms and he's got a very big wide body where he can he can give some some tackles some problems. I, I'm excited for this defense. I think I think there's going to be a it's going to be an exciting year for the Hawkeyes all around. But um, the last thing I'm going to say before I wrap it up, the thing I'm really really excited about. QB sneak you Linderbaum just plowing over everybody in front of him like are you kidding me that's the coolest thing that Iowa does is third and one they'll just QB sneak it because they can they know you won't stop it I don't know any other school that does that that's pretty sick so it's really it's really something that uh I don't take for granted here at Iowa but uh Jordan can't thank you enough for taking the time and joining us here today like always guys not the same time same place we will see you guys later